Good morning, everybody. It's Pastor Paul here at the home office at Four Oaks Church. It's Wednesday. Let's check the date. Yep, May 24th. Summer is bearing down upon us. So glad that you've joined us for this edition of our pastoral devotionals. If you're new to all this, let me explain what we do. We've been preaching through the Gospel of Matthew on Sunday mornings at Four Oaks. And what we do the week prior to that sermon is we digest, interpret, walk through, uh, um, apply, uh, hermeneuticize, if that's a word, right? From hermeneutics, we, we pick it apart. We talk about that passage together because the goal in studying God's word together is not just to dispense information, give you theology, give you, give you truth, but it's to help you be a self-feeder, to help you be someone who pulls apart the word of God for yourself and can apply it to your life. So in this way, as we're studying the passage together, um, before we talk about it, preach on it on Sunday mornings, we're walking through that interpretive process um, in tandem. And it allows you to see how I'm thinking about a passage, how I approach the, the aspect of interpretation. And of course, we are walking through right now the Sermon on the Mount. In fact, the most famous part maybe of the Sermon on the Mount, and maybe even the whole Bible, the Lord's Prayer. So let me read the passage that um, is before us, and let's pick back up where we left off last time. Now I'm looking at uh, verse 7 in Matthew chapter 6, and Jesus is speaking. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So, We've spent the first couple days this week working through 7, 8, and verse 9, and now we're up to verse 10. And, and just as a bit of review, remember there are six petitions in the Lord's Prayer. The first three have to do with God and His glory, and the second three have to do with God and His gifts or God and His grace. And so we talked about this idea uh, the first petition, hallowed be your name, or let your name be honored, let your name be glorified, uh, let your name be treated as, as holy, and that denotes this idea that, that we want God to permeate every inch, every square inch of our reality, that he will make himself known as the only true God. And verse 10, in these next two petitions, give us a sense of what happens as the, as the glory of God spreads. Okay, so look at verse 10. Your kingdom come, that's petition number two. Your will be done, that's petition number three. So as you know, this idea of kingdom is very prevalent in the Gospel of Matthew. And when we say kingdom, Matthew does not have in mind a political realm. He has in mind the spiritual realm of God's rule and reign. So if we go back to the garden, that was a time, the Garden of Eden, that was a time where the Lord's will, um, as it was done in heaven, was being done on earth. This is where earth and heaven met. This is where the kingdom of God 
and the kingdom of man merged. Now, as, as part of that reality, um, there was no sin. Um, Adam and Eve worshiped perfectly. They worked perfectly. They rested perfectly. They had a perfect marriage, if you can imagine. And, but that when sin entered the world, the kingdom of man and the kingdom of God were breached. And so God's glory was no longer shining forth in the same way. God's will was not being done. God's kingdom um, on, in one, one level had been disrupted because his rule and reign were now no longer ruling and reigning over the hearts of mankind. And of course, the, the gospel is just the story of how God breaches that repair. Well, ultimately, the ultimate way God breaches this repair, of course, is through the gospel and the coming of Jesus. That's why Jesus says, my coming inaugurates the kingdom of God. And so from that point forward, as Jesus comes, dies on the cross, um, lays his life down for us, fills us with his Holy Spirit. So now, um, as believers, as we live out the glory of God, his kingdom is established through us. His will is done on earth as it is in heaven. So, for example, as, as we pray God's kingdom come, what are we praying for? Well, we're praying that where God is not known, he will be made known. Where we do not see um, the, the gospel, the rule of God, the reign of God, spiritually speaking, in the hearts and minds of people, that in fact it will be so. It will be true in governments, it will be true in families, in individuals, in the workplace. Um, once again, acknowledging that no space is ever neutral, right? It's either filled with the glory of God or it's not filled with the glory of God. Now, it may have been previously filled with the glory of God, where God's name was hallowed and the kingdom was established. But since then, um, if God's name is no longer hallowed, then the remnants, the vestiges of the kingdom might be remaining, right? But God's very presence is not because his name is not being hallowed. And so, so kingdom and will are all downstream of God's glory. And so when we're praying that God's will will be done, that his kingdom will be established. We're, we're praying for societal wrongs to be rectified. We're praying for, for social justice as it relates to uh, the poor in spirit, uh, those who are materially poor, those unborn lives who are being threatened, um, racism. I mean, uh, the, whole, the whole gamut. We're, we're asking that as God's name be glorified, he will establish his kingdom in the hearts and minds of women and men and that his will, um, which is performed perfectly in heaven, will be mirrored likewise on earth. And so we can see here, and, and Tim Keller, and who just recently went to be with the Lord, he calls this kingdom-centered praying. This is praying that goes way beyond, okay, um, you know, hill Aunt Martha's toe. And by the way, nothing wrong with praying in your community group, hill Aunt Martha's toe. But our praying should be much more than that, right? It should be centered on God. It should be centered on his purposes and him making himself known to people and institutions and places and um, um, cultural outlets everywhere, right? That, that's what we're praying. And so when we're praying for kingdom-centered praying, we're not just saying, God, 
make my life better. We're saying, God, work in this way in my life so that your reign will be established, so that your will would be done, so that earth will begin to reflect more accurately the nature of heaven. Now, one thing I did not mention last time that, that as I've studied the passage this week that really has jumped out at me more and more is going back to verse 9 where it talks about our Father in heaven. Now, we talked a whole lot, idea, uh, I did already, about this idea of, G, of God as our Father. But this idea that God is not only Father, but God is in heaven really helps to undergird our prayers for His kingdom and for His will to be done. And, and how is that so? Well, why, 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 does, why does Jesus say, pray our Father in heaven? Why doesn't He just say our Father in the cosmos, or our Father at large, or just our Father? Well, because heaven is obviously a, a metaphor for being above, um, not just spatially and geographically, but, but being over everything, being all-knowing, being omniscient, uh, being, being um, uh, filled with um, an infinite knowledge of everything that's happening, and not just an infinite knowledge, but uh, an authority to be able to accomplish his will. So when we, we pray, when Jesus says, pray our Father in heaven, what we're really saying there is that, God, we trust you that you really care about what's going on in our lives. You really care about your kingdom coming and your will being done on earth as it is in heaven. Because quite frankly, God, we see places, many places where that's not happening where your name is not hallowed, your will is not being done, your kingdom doesn't seem to be advancing. And we are trusting that because God is in heaven, he is not obtuse. He knows, he is um, in charge, he is present, he's not neglectful, he's not absent-minded, but he has literally the whole world in his hands. So, um, if we think about um, an earthly father and what gives us assurance about an earthly father, well, a good earthly father, right, protects us. A good earthly father provides for us. A good earthly father is there for us. But we know there is no perfect earthly father. In fact, every earthly father that has ever been born in the history of planet Earth has gone on to die, okay? And even those of us who are alive who are fathers, this will be true of us as well if the Lord tarries. But so, so there's a sense in which the fatherhood metaphor when it comes to earthly fathers is limited. Our, our, our earthly fathers can do much for us, right? But they can't do everything. And they can't protect us from everything. They can't provide for us everything. In fact, they're, they're very limited. And in fact, they're very frail and they can make mistakes and they can sin and they... Um, can, um, can not be there for us. Well, when we say that our Father in heaven, we're saying all those frailties that were true of our earthly fathers are not true of our heavenly Father. He's always there. He's always reigning. He's always in control. He's always providing. And because of that, we can walk in faith. We can pray in faith. We can pray in confidence that God is going to have his way in the hearts and minds of people. And so let's not neglect that aspect that not only is God Father, but he's, he's God Father 
He's God our Father overall, over everything, always there for us, never leaving us or forsaking us. That is why we can pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. Okay, the next two days, we are going to, to wind up the week, Thursday and Friday. We're going to look at these last three petitions. Give us our day, our daily bread, forgive us our debts, and then lead us not into temptation. But until then, um, just rest in the knowledge that God, if you know Jesus Christ, is your heavenly Father. Let's pray. Lord, comfort us with these words. Lord, let them lead us to a boldness in the way that we pray, the way that we are, the way that we walk through this world and live this life, trusting that your will will be done and that you will establish your kingdom and your reign. Lord, we ask these things in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks, everybody. See you tomorrow.